He's using a flamethrower to get rid of some weeds or something. Yeah, I just looked at that and just wrote down here. I mean, do you really need a flamethrower, Lance? I bet that's going to come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Dan. And here we are on a bonus episode doing something we don't... I would say don't normally do, but we kind of do a few times a year just as a bonus, right? This mm. is not puzzle game this is not a puzzling movie at least i don't think it is <laughs> we're gonna talk today about one of my favorite movies to watch around october time which is Pumpkinhead. i've never seen it so this is my first time and that's part of why i wanted to do Pumpkinhead. i think that it is under the radar for most people and i think it shouldn't be i think there are a lot of fantastic things especially yeah. for people who love 80s horror people who love physical effects Pumpkinhead is great for that. I think that what really got me was I didn't see it for a long time. Right. And then I think at one point I just watched it and it just felt like a breath of fresh air after so much horror with just CG and mm. sci-fi with CG. And we were losing any sort of sense of, at least I felt, of that kind of special effect. Right. Let's talk Pumpkinhead. Rotten Tomatoes, critics at 65%, audience 48%, which shocks me. I don't understand why that... <laughs> I would expect it to be the other way around. Yeah. And I would honestly expect the audience to be much higher. IMDb at 6.2. I get that. It's horror. It's... I don't know at what point it becomes low budget versus high budget. I mean, they had, I think, at least according to IMDb's estimated, mm. in, in air quotes here... It was like three million or something, I think. In eighty eight. In eighty eight, which seems like that would be a fair amount. Yet in many ways it feels like a B movie, but like one of the greatest B movies of all time. Yeah, it's got like Lance Henriksen, that's that was their big purchase for that movie. And was he really big at that point? Eighty eight? I mean he'll have done aliens uh alien Oh no, he wasn't in Alien. He was in Aliens, so he was he, in he, aliens. he'd have done Aliens. Yeah. Which is also done by this guy, Stan Winston, who I didn't realize is a major powerhouse man of special effects back in the day. Oh, did you not notice? No. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, because I, I saw the name and I was like, I know that name. And it's yeah. like, yeah, he did Terminator, Jurassic Park, Alien, The Thing, Predator, Edward Scissorhands. He did Constantine, Big Fish. He did a lot of stuff with Tim Burton. It's like, this guy is on the ball. Oh, definitely. He was yeah. all over the place. And this it's... is his directorial debut kind of thing. This is the first Yeah, he directed. pretty much did, did this. I think uh, Gnome Called Norm, which I haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe I will at some point. And I think a couple music videos, maybe short stuff, but he didn't really do much else. But he did do one thing that is probably infamous. He designed the Wookiee costumes for the Star Wars special. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's infamous. I think... <laughs> The costumes looked fine. It was everything else around the holiday <laughs> special that had some issues. He also did Manimal. Do you, do, you, do you remember Manimal? My other friend has been trying to get me to see Manimal. Oh, don't. For a long it's time. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it might be so terrible, I'll enjoy it. Yeah. So I mean, he, he I designed like, the transition it. scenes when they changes from like, into a, a hawk or a bear or whatever. They're pretty good. It's very American werewolf in London style kind of change. That's the thing. When you talk about special effects, especially through the 80s and a bit beyond, of this kind, Stan Winston, Rick Baker, those are the two names that I have 
just known forever as these are the special effects guys. <laughs> well, uh, well, maybe spoilers for uh, Thanksgiving, but we might be looking into another movie done by another special effects guy, Phil Tippett. Heard the name, not as familiar. Okie doke. <laughs> All right. On the poster, it says, A Grim Fairy Tale. I don't think I could come up with a better tagline for it than that. <laughs> that is perfect for exactly what this is. It feels like a fairy tale. It is dark. It's old school fairy tale dark, really. Mm. Like you said, it stars Lance Henriksen. It's based on a poem by a guy called Ed Justin. Okay. And you've got the story by Mark Patrick Carducci, Richard Weinman, and Stan Winston. And then the screenplay is by Mark Patrick Carducci and maybe one, I forget, I didn't write it down. One other person there. You will recognize a few people, possibly. I didn't, just just Lance. Okay. Jeff East played Huck Finn in both Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn okay. when he was little. And then when he got a bit older, and I believe before this, he was young Superman in the Christopher Reeve Superman movie. Oh, Oh, the, like the boy in the farm, Superman. Yeah. Ah, all right. You've got John D'Aquino. He's just been in... <laughs> he's one of those guys who's just been in everything a little bit at a time. He was in an episode of Seinfeld. He's been in Dexter. He's been in Weeds. The actor that you'd probably most recognize, though, would be George Buck Flower. Oh, I would definitely remember the name. <laughs> you would think. I'll point him out later. Okay. And <laughs> you'll know exactly who he is, and I'll point out why you should know him or okay. why you would definitely know him. All right. Before we jump into the spoilers, though, I suppose we need to give a warning just that we will be doing spoilers from here on. I recommend it. I think that it is a great Halloween movie, a great horror movie. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm watching it, what, 30 years later than it was made, and I had a blast watching it. It was great. Like you said, a breath of fresh air in the sea of like all these like over the top kind of horror movies and, and CGI and stuff like that. Yeah, it was just a straightforward bam done. Not too many jump scares, but it did have some of those classic eighties big music jump scares. It's, <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's just the dog. <laughs> um, oh, big spoiler about the jump scare about the dog. But yes, didn't get me. But I totally got me. Yeah, you, you know it did. <laughs> I wonder what it'd be like if we actually watched some of these together again oh, man. it would get me i'd probably just be laughing at you i'd, I'd probably get you because i'd be jumping next to you and be like, oh geez darn settle down <laughs> but yeah let's go ahead and get into discussing the movie so if you have not seen Pumpkinhead, i highly recommend you go check it out and for those that have seen it well join us in the spoiler section man those credits go on fire for a long time <laughs> they do yeah <laughs> That's one that you could kind of skip ahead if yeah, you want. Yeah, definitely. This movie is by MGMUA, so it's going to start off with a lion roaring. It roared two times. There's a myth about how many times it roared and how good they thought the movie was going to be. <laughs> Did you never hear that one? <laughs> no, I've never heard that. So if it gets three roars, that's like the three-star Michelin movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> very good, I think, if you get three. If you only get one, they're not expecting it to do well. Right. As you said. The title comes up with red flames behind it, and that goes on for quite a while. We have a title card that says 1957. Well, it's just kind of like subtitles over. We start in a cornfield. I love the way they just set things up in this one. So there's the cornfield. A man cocks a shotgun. The mother is telling the son to pray. 
He goes out to put away the horse. He returns, and the wife asks if it'll be okay. Should I be afraid? We're going to get a lot of cuts between a man running in the woods and the couple in the house as they're sort of praying and waiting. And the juxtaposition of these two scenes, I think, works very, very well for getting the intensity of what's going on. You get really intense moment, and you get waiting. So you sort of get both kind of tensions at the same time, which is really well done. Yep. The running man is going to encounter a scarecrow, gets scared, he screams, and then he appears to be pulled back. The running man is Clayton Heller, and he pleads to be let in by Tom Harley. It's going to get me. The mother holds the child because the child can't understand. Why don't we let him in? Why don't we let him in? And Clayton says, I didn't kill the girl. I don't deserve this. And Tom basically walks up to the door with the shotgun and says, you better get out of here. You know we can't get in the way. Just stay away from my house. Get out of here. He walks up to the door with a shotgun, ready to shoot him if he does try to get in, I guess. Mm -hmm. The boy will go to the window and he will see Pumpkinhead kill Clayton Heller. Yeah. Transition to the present, that image of the boy fades into Lance Henriksen, who's playing Ed Harley. Yes. A fantastic way to tell us this is the same character, and they will do it at least one more time by having him do a flashback when he hears about Pumpkinhead, and then we get a sort of overlay faded image of, again, that same moment of Pumpkinhead killing the man. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, though, because when we pull back from him, he's using a flamethrower to get rid of some weeds or something. Yeah, I just looked at that. It just wrote down here. I mean, do you really need a flamethrower, Lance? I bet that's going to come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> it sets up that it does exist, though. Yeah. There's a little boy with very thick glasses playing with his dog called Gypsy. Ed goes over. There's a very tender moment where he's washing his son's hands and says, this is what your grandmother used to do. It used to feel so good. And very sweet. Like, they've really set up this father-son relationship. It feels genuine and it feels special. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, it's missing in a lot of films nowadays is, and it's been said before, it's not like, you know, not making this up for the first time. I've I don't heard, think it's this. even just these days. I think throughout, especially the horror genre. Yeah. So even, they're saying like in, in Star Wars, that big lull where it's like, oh, it's so boring. They're just sitting in the Millennium Falcon. It's like, yeah, it's called character building, storytelling. Taking the time to actually just relax and build the character rather than just say, this guy really loves his son. <laughs> no, you know, show us it in these moments. Like I was saying, it's a huge problem in the horror genre i think just the directors and editors often want to get to the scary bits get but the killing. Yeah. if we don't care about the characters then the rest of it doesn't really matter exactly and that is part of what this movie does so well is it gives us actual characters yeah ed is doing his finances at the table billy's trying to sneak food to the dog <laughs> but he's hungry no you can give it to him in his bowl, which yeah. is a sort of nice compromise. Billy says he made a necklace for his father. It looks sort of like a stick man. Mm -hmm. That is great because it's touching. The way the father reacts to it is quite touching. And then it's key for the end moment of the movie as well. Yeah. Set up and pay off. They do that a fair number of times and it works in this movie. At least for me, it mm -hmm. does. There's also, I believe, around this point where is it? Time for a story, and his story is always about, apparently, it seems like his story is always about this man who has a really awesome son. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to cut to 
a big truck pulling dirt bikes, and behind it is a silver Corvette. In the truck, we find, I believe it's Steve who is saying, Joel's a great guy once you get to know him, which is well, usually, you know what that means. <laughs> usually not a good sign. <laughs> usually means, oh, they're really rough around the edges yeah. at the very least. And then we're going to hard cut to Joel demanding a beer from his girlfriend while driving the Corvette and then immediately zooming past the truck rudely. <laughs> yeah, you've told us this. You've hinted that he's not going to be great. And then you've immediately showed it very well. Yeah. Ed and his son pull up to the Harley grocery store, this square, old, rustic building. They get things ready. They're watering the produce. They're uncovering the freezer, refrigerator, whatever that is, getting stuff ready. Again, kind of cute stuff as they're splashing each other with the water and just mm -hmm. being cute. There is a hitchhiker, or at least a man walking along the street. Tracy says, why don't we pick him up? And Tracy, well, I think it's Tracy. It might be Maggie. I wasn't sure at this point. Tracy is taking about a thousand pictures. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of film she must <laughs> go through is insane. But Steve tells some stupid story about a man eating his wife after killing her to get rid of the evidence. Mm -hmm. And it was probably that guy. Just dumb. <laughs> Joel is going to hop on a dirt bike right away and start riding. Now, here we have Buck Flower. This is the one I was telling you about. Oh, okay. So, old man Wallace mm -hmm. here. Do you remember him, the one with the beard? Yep. yep. Back to the Future. The, the bum on the yeah. bench. Yeah. Which is oh. often who he, who he played. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it now immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Drunk drivers. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Brilliant. Yeah, okay. And this is one of the roles where I think he actually gets to do a lot more speaking and interaction. And he's quite good. Yeah. <laughs> but often he's a character actor. Okay. Yeah, he he arrives with... Four kids, five kids. Four, uh... <laughs> something like that in the back of the truck. These are the Wallaces. In the store, Steve is asking for beer. Ed says, no, no liquor. The younger I, I put youngest but i think he's not the youngest kid in the truck jimmy takes a ball oh sorry jimmy joe takes a ball and won't give it back so the other kids start teasing him about pumpkin head settling on the bad ones and they start chanting mm. and bothering him and he gets really upset tracy tries to stop the kids and <laughs> chris bravely says oh i was about to say something yes <laughs> yeah thanks man you really got my back. <laughs> there is a problem now of Wallace wanting his feed, but Ed forgot it back at the house. He offers to deliver it to his home, but he's got to go get it. Yeah. So this means that he's going to have to leave. He tells Billy to bring Gypsy in, stay in the store, mine things. Meanwhile, Joel is showing off what a great dirt biker he is. Yeah, and here's me thinking, oh man, the dog's going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I thought this was going to be like just a normal in the cabin in the woods slasher. I thought they'll kill the dog and then they'll go to the cabin and Pumpkinhead will get them. How wrong was I? <laughs> you thought they'd get him because of the dog. Not because of the dog, but I just thought I just thought the dog was going to get it. Okay. And then that would lead to something else. And then they, you know, it would lead, lead to some animosity. And then something else would happen. But the, I, th I thought the focus was going to be a slasher in the, in the cabin. Not that. <laughs> in fact, they're barely in the cabin. <laughs> They're in the cabin for one scene. This is why it's really best to jump into this one not knowing anything. Yeah. 
So Joel is going to show off, as I said. We find out Steve and Joel are actually brothers. So mm-hmm. even though he's like, he's a good guy once you get to know him, it's his brother. He has to like him, sort <laughs> of. Or at least has to put up with him. But yes, Gypsy the dog is going to run off, which is what leads Billy outside. And tragically, Billy gets knocked over. Is pretty much passed out on the ground, doesn't really respond to anything. We're told that he feels cold now. And it was a really horrific scene of Steve just barely missing him. Yeah. And then Joel runs right into him. Joel says, I've been drinking. He's already put his bike back on the trailer by this point. Immediately, as soon as it happens and he stands up, he's got his bike back on the trailer and he's telling his brother, I've got to go. I've been drinking. I can't be here. They'll They'll fry me, is what he says. That's right. They'll fry me. Steve convinces the others to leave. Ed returns, and there's the long, agonizing scene of him waving, slowly walking up, then realizing something's wrong, starts running, gets there, and no matter what Steve says, Ed is not having it. He gives the look of death when he turns (laughs) around and looks at Steve. Ed is going to drive off with Billy to try to take him home, heal him, or, or take care of him. Tracy runs up to the cabin. Joel is there. He hasn't called for help. And when she tries to, he rips the cord right out of the wall. Joel steals the keys. Kim, his girlfriend, Mm -hmm. will say, oh, Joel's already been in an accident once this year. He's on probation. If he gets another mark like this, he's going to lose his license. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh. Oh, no. But that's Joel's motivation for preventing everything. So this leads to cabin fight. Mm hmm. Joel's going to push Chris, and he's going to grab Tracy and, like, shove her to the ground. Chris punches back, but Joel, from the ground, grabs a log out of the fireplace and just clocks Chris with it. He's now on the ground, blood coming out of his mouth, and Joel takes the keys. In the Harley home, as I said, Ed is trying to care for Billy while telling him a story. Billy says, Daddy, and then dies. I know, that was good. What that got me even worse is, like, I was a bit confused, like, are you going to go to the hospital or what? That's the only dumb thing about this is, like, why are you not taking him to the hospital? It's like, I get it, we're out in the sticks, but they must have a doctor somewhere. Perhaps, though I get the impression that it's very, very far away. Very rural, yeah. But all this time I thought, oh, the kid's dead. And then they bring him back, and he's like, daddy, and then, then he dies again for me. It's like, oh, man, you killed him twice. Well, he wasn't really there that time, I think. But I thought he was dead at the beginning because he just was non-responsive. He wasn't waking up. He was cold. Oh, I see what you mean. I thought it meant later in the truck. No, no, no. Like So like on the field when he gets hit by the bike. So you thought he was already dead. I thought he was already dead. Okay. And then he comes back with that uh, poor little daddy and then dies for real this time. And yeah, yeah, it's uh, terrible. Steve will arrive at the cabin. Tracy and Chris are locked in a storage room now. Yes. Ed is going to drive to the Wallace place with Billy under a blanket in the seat next to him. Bunt, who I'm going to say is the oldest grandkid. He seems to be. Bone is here. One of the other grandkids? Well, there are two here that you might recognize. Did you watch My So-Called Life? No. Okay. Uh, Devin Odessa from that show. The thing I know her from the most is in this. But also, Mayan Bialik is also one of the Wallace kids. Who's that? Mayan Bialik? Blossom? Oh, is she there? I didn't recognize her. (laughs) I don't know if there's ever a point where we really focus on her. Okay. I'd have to go back and check it. I didn't notice it right. until I was looking at the IMDb page. Ah, okay. Now, host of Jeopardy. 
Is she? At least the... Yeah, we may cut this out, but <laughs> at least the celebrity Jeopardy, and I All think right. at other times as well, but yeah. So, Bunt, as I said, mm-hmm. the oldest grandkid is unloading the feed from yep. the back of the truck. Ed offers Wallace the feed for free if he can tell him about the woman with the powers in the mountain. Yeah. Wallace denies knowledge until he sees dead Billy. Ed says city folks run him over and left him. Wallace says she can't help him. She can only take you straight to hell. You go home and bury your boy. Good advice. And a lot of really great lines and dialogue, I think, throughout this movie. And this scene is one of them. I I just really like the interaction, the way it plays out. The visual cues, the way he just sort of lifts the blanket Mm. so he sees that Billy's dead. And then Wallace goes, I see what you're after. It's a bad idea. (laughs) It's a bad, bad idea. On his way out, though, Bunt is going to stop Ed and tell him, oh, you want haggis. She's on Blackridge. Ed says, well, you better get in the back and show me the way. Bunt says, well, that old lady scares me. I'll go most of the way. Yeah. And basically sells the information for about 10 bucks, I believe. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Which I think plays into what happens later. Bunt, just before we get to Haggis's cabin, is going to run home. Like, hey, I'm out. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> he's legging it all the way home now. Haggis's cabin lies stilted over a swamp. It's very grown over. Plants are growing through all the planks. Ed carries Billy's body inside. She doesn't even need to look. I don't know if she's blind or if that was the intention or if it's just that she is so aware that she doesn't ever have to look around. Right. But the way they've done the makeup for her eyes, I'm suspecting that she's meant to be a blind wizard type character. I will say, (laughs) when I'm sitting here taking notes and really looking at everything, I love the inside. It's this bright red. It has this creepy feel to it. But they really overdid it with the wildlife in this one. <laughs> Tarantulas everywhere. Yeah. Tarantulas, rats, and an owl all just <laughs> hanging out inside. She's a witch. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> it looks very cool if you don't think about it. <laughs> but I was definitely thinking about it. Like I said, she's going to, even without looking, she's going to say, raising the dead ain't within my power. And I actually love the way she keeps referring to him by name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's constantly like raising the dead ain't within my power ed harley yeah i don't even think he ever introduced himself so no. again just she knows everything she knows all ed's gonna start dropping coins a bit of jewelry and a goblet and he says that's all i have mm-hmm. these coins are silver dollars which if the trivia on imdb is to be believed Lance Henriksen went to a bunch of pawn shops and stuff to try and get as many silver oh, really? coins as he could to make it look right. But a lot of them apparently fell through the floorboards. So oh, there's, no. probably, <laughs> there's probably still some there to this day, wherever that place is. Uh, I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> Ed says that as a boy, he heard tales of her saying she can avenge a man who's been wronged. What you ask for has an awful price, she says. He responds, they killed my boy. She says, you ever hear of Razorback Hollow? Find an old grave where they buried their kin they're ashamed of. Like, the, mm. that's what this whole graveyard is. You'll find what you're looking for there. Bring a shovel, bring it back to me. He says, how will I know what I'm looking for? She says, you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> you need to bring that thing back here. Some things I've got to do before it'll be any use to you. <laughs> leave the boy yeah 
in the cemetery. There are bones hanging from a platform. A vulture lands. <laughs> Stan must have had a friend. Yeah. <laughs> the, I've got an animal guy. In the animal Don't worry, I've got to cover it. You're going to walk around the cemetery that is just covered in like a fog or a mist mm. that seems to cling to the very earth. And he comes across a pedestal of earth. Yeah. A dirt pedestal. He climbs up and there are pumpkins there. He has to move to the side and he starts digging through and he finds basically what looks like a shriveled corpse. This scene, there's one shot that it's a great shot. It's just him with the shovel standing on top surrounded by the pumpkin patch. And it's just like, honestly, when I saw that, I was just like, wanted the credits to roll up like Jack Skeleton, the Pumpkin King Origins or something like that, you know? It's just like it's it's like a poster for a, a, a live action Jack Skeleton. But it's absolutely brilliant. They certainly could have used that for the movie yeah. poster, right? That poster of oh, yeah. him standing there. Yeah. And <laughs> would have been great. There is one point where he gets disgusted. He jumps down and I think he debates whether or not he wants to go through with this, mm-hmm. but he does climb back up. Yeah. And I think that that's good. I think that that moment starts to show us that Ed is not completely vengeful minded. Yeah, he's already having some doubts. Yeah. Back in the tourist cabin, Maggie is basically catatonic. She's not talking to anyone at this point. Steve pleads with Joel to let him take the blame, and Joel turns it down. I think there is a bit here where Chris and Tracy talk about what they're going to do when they get out, and Tracy says something not very nice. Can't remember if that's here or if that's later. And Chris says, remind me not to get on your bad side. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back to Haggis's place. The shriveled corpse is brought in. What is it, he asks. Haggis says, for each of man's evils, a special demon exists. You're looking at vengeance. She has some fantastic lines. <laughs> I love the whole Haggis bit. I really do. Maybe for some people this is over the top and maybe it feels a bit silly. But I love it. I love the way her dialogue works. I love the way she looks and her actions. It's very much the spooky witch from dark fairy tales. And I love that. Yeah, it's the witches from Macbeth. You know, it's it's great. I, I like it a lot. She's going to cut Ed's hand and collect the blood. She's also going to get blood from Billy. Mm-hmm. She makes some sort of concoction, which she's going to pour over the shriveled corpse. Its hand moves and Ed collapses. The corpse begins swelling, moving, snarls, and stands up. How tall do you think it is? Like eight to ten feet tall, some of that is gigantic. It grows like one of those those little sponge dinosaurs you put in the bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I quote quite that tall. Eight feet, maybe? Yeah, okay, let's go with eight. It is very tall. Pretty big. And it goes from a very tiny shriveled thing to, like you said, to swell up that much. Ed wakes and is told he can go now. Haggis says, now it begins. So Ed drives off, drowsy, nearly crashes into another car. Yeah. Sort of, ooh, the irony. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you nearly had an accident too. Hmm. Hmm. But I think that that's important because, again, that's probably one more thing to make Ed second guess what he did before. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that that is one of the best things for me about this movie is just the motivation of so many of the characters seems to fit. Ed instantly wanting vengeance makes sense to me. Bunt wanting to sell the information because they're so poor, he'll take whatever he can get, makes sense to me. Ed having second thoughts makes sense to me because of the things that are coming up. 
Joel's is maybe a bit over the top, but given what a terrible person he is, it is kind of fitting. Yeah. And, you know, his self-preservation instinct is kicking in, you know. I mean, maybe, yeah, it could be seen as murder, you know. It's like, yeah, maybe maybe he would have got the chair in that state. He literally does mean he's going to fry for it, you know. I think that it is something that is missing in a lot of horror movies. A lot of the slashers, they just attack just because (laughs) people are there. Yeah. Doesn't always hold true. That's that's why I really like movies like the original Elm Street, because Freddy has actual motivation for revenge. Mm -hmm. I think that that works much better for me. I know Halloween, which I love, the original one, worked because there wasn't really motivation. And they kind of ruined that in the sequels. That was sort of a special case. Mm -hmm. In most others, I want to know why. And Child's Play, for example, that has motivation. As silly and over the top as it can be, it definitely has motivation. And that is what makes some of these scary movies work so much better for me than others. We also have here good character development, I think, that just helps put that all together. Here comes the part, though, where... As Ed stops the car, I believe, or stops his truck, Billy's going to sit up and <laughs> say something. And I think, what'd you do, Daddy? Yeah. <laughs> but obviously it's a dream. In a graveyard, Ed is speaking to his dead wife, Lynn, as he's bearing Billy next to her. In a tourist cabin, Maggie is going to leave the cabin. Steve follows. He tries to bring her back to her senses by saying, you believe in the cross. It means something to you, and it actually works. Yeah. This part's a little lame for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very short, and it's followed by Pumpkinhead reaching out of a tree and pulling Steve up. Yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, Pumpkinhead doesn't really... He's not a slasher, is he? He just likes to batter people around and swing them about like little chicken legs. <laughs> We're going to, at the same time, see Ed... Now his scene has sort of a bright filter, a bit of shakiness to it. We are, again, like in Hags' cabin when he passes out, we are showing that there is a connection between the two. Yeah, and this is another cool thing that I didn't see coming, you know? It's like, all right, so it's a big monster that kills people. Oh, you know, but now it's like, oh, but there are consequences, you know, for what he's done. This vengeance plot is like, now he has to live through it and watch it happen and feel it happen. It's like, that's interesting. Yeah. He's also going to get these nosebleeds. He seems to lose balance when Pumpkinhead is killing. Mm -hmm. Doesn't seem to be any other time. So maybe just because it's emotional to him or maybe because Ed can see that, like you said, maybe that is what's haunting him. Maggie's going to scream. In the cabin, Maggie runs in just as Joel says he will stop messing up. I'm going to stop messing up my life. Chris and Joel are going to take the gun and tell the ladies to lock up. Mm -hmm. Ed, in his home, from the very top shelf behind the back, pulls out his bottle of alcohol, which makes me think he's had a problem with alcohol in the past, which is why he also doesn't have it in the store. Right. Maggie is convinced Pumpkinhead is the devil and prays for protection. It's not going to do a lot of good. Tracy grabs a few knives in case God doesn't show. What a a great line that is. Meanwhile, in the background, you see Pumpkinhead walking behind the window. Joel is going to find Steve's bloody bandana. They run back to the cabin. They get ready to leave. 
Maggie says, I must run out. I must find Steve. And she does right away because there he is hanging right outside the cabin. (laughs) (laughs) I think Pumpkinhead is using him as bait because now he can grab Maggie and pull her up. He runs over the roof. Yeah. Did you, honestly, when I saw that part, immediately as soon as I saw that, it just flashed through my mind. I got a flashback to the Gravity Falls Summerween episode. I wonder if they got inspiration for that that character in this episode from Pumpkinhead, because there's a bit in that where Pumpkinhead, sorry, where whatever, the Summerween trickster, I think he's called, kind of does that backwards spider walk kind of over the back of the building, over the back of the house. It's like, wow, I wonder if they lifted it from this movie, and it's like kind of they're paying a kind of tribute to it. I'd love to put those side by side in this video just to see just to, just to see if I'm misremembering it or if it actually does look anything alike. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Tracy's going to run out and around the house to try and I guess follow Pumpkinhead, see what's going on. Ed hears Maggie screams and he struggles to focus as he's loading a gun. Gypsy, the dog, growls at him. This is going to be kind of a regular thing anytime a dog senses what's going on. Yeah. We're going to see Pumpkinhead's hands stroke Maggie's face and then scratch a cross into her face. <laughs> there you go. Ed is going to drive to Haggis's. She says, it'll pass, Ed Harley. You got to wait for it to finish. Ed pleads for her to stop it. And she says, what, did you think it'd be easy? <laughs> and he says, God damn you. To which she replies, it's best line in the movie coming up. <laughs> he already has. <laughs> he already has. She says it twice. So beautiful. I really love it. Ed says if she won't stop it, he will. She says, you'll die if you try. Mm. Pumpkinhead is going to shove Maggie's face playfully against the glass of the cabin and then shove it right through her. <laughs> he kind of smooshes her up like comedy, like when they splat into the window and like, you hear, the, you hear the window wipe kind of effect and then just suddenly <laughs> right through it. Joel grabs a very big knife, I think a machete, and yells, I'm the one you want. Pumpkinhead said... <laughs> Pumpkinhead just stops him easily. Yeah, he's just like, all right, yeah. <laughs> snap. That's a broken wrist for you, son. He's going to take Kim and drop her from a tree. She lands on a rock and dies. Yeah. Ed arrives at the cabin, sees the bodies of Steve and Maggie. Chris, Joel, and Tracy are begging for help at a house, but are ignored. I think this is the Wallace house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Another man and dog appear. I can't remember if this is Wallace's son or not. But basically, I, I think it is, but... Oh, wait, this, no, this is another house, isn't it? This is the one with the pickup truck where they're trying to steal the truck. I don't yeah, think so I this is a different house. They go to the Wallaces later. They okay. Do, they do eventually end up there. Well, there's a man with a dog who's saying, Get out of here. I can't help you. You folks is marked, mm. he says. And Pumpkinhead appears. <laughs> Ed fires a Pumpkinhead twice. Pumpkinhead falls back. He falls on the ground. Joel walks up. Chris says... Joel, you don't know if it's dead. So Joel shoots it in the head. Says it's dead now. And then jump scare. (laughs) The hand's going to reach out and grab Joel. Joel's death scene is one of my favorites in the whole film. He's going to grab Joel. He knocks him down. Pumpkinhead now has a gun. And he skewers Joel (laughs) on the gun. He just stabs him with it. (laughs) Doesn't shoot him with it. Just stabs him with Uh, it. But I believe... And he lifts him up with it, yeah. Ed is now on his hands and knees. The dog attacks Ed Mm. now. So, again, this 
running theme of when Pumpkinhead attacks, dogs hate Ed. Yeah. We're going to cut to Bunt, who asks the family if the animals will be safe. Wallace says, the animals will be fine. We'll all be fine so long as we stay out of the way. Here's the part where they make it to this house. So Chris is banging on this door pleading for help. Bunt is going to get dressed. His sister sees. He's going to say, I'm going for help. You can't tell anyone. Promise not to tell. Spit. (laughs) (laughs) And Bunt takes Chris and Tracy to this burnout church in the middle of nowhere, hoping that it's holy and so Pumpkinhead won't show up. Bunt tells them about Pumpkinhead and when they say what they did, oh, there was an accident with the kid. And he's like, oh, Billy? You mean Mm. Billy Harley? He starts to put it together, and I think he realizes his part in all of this and how bad it was. And so he wants to protect them because if he hadn't taken the 10 bucks, if he hadn't basically taken Ed to Haggis, none of this would have happened. Yeah. Fog is going to roll in behind Chris. We see what looks like a lightning flash, and then Pumpkinhead is in the doorway. He's going to walk in and break the cross. Yeah, he's like, that doesn't work. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Ed goes to Wallace's, knocks on the door. A gun is pulled on him, and he's told to leave. The tourist cars are destroyed, but there is one dirt bike remaining. Chris hops on, but Pumpkinhead laughs as he's holding the chain for the dirt bike. (laughs) He's going to toss Chris around. Ed drives Bunt and Tracy to his house, and he starts to get prepared flamethrower yep chris is still being knocked around he's being stepped on and dragged tracy pleads with ed it was an accident call it off but ed can't pumpkinhead is going to grab bunt and as ed tries to stop pumpkinhead he stumbles and his shoulder gets injured by the pitchfork pumpkinhead acts as though his shoulder is injured and ed puts it together yeah finally we put it together like half an hour ago, but Ed's finally on board now. But it makes sense that it would take him a bit longer. And even knowing they were connected wouldn't necessarily indicate, ooh, if I hurt myself, mm. I will hurt you. But now that he knows, he doesn't hold back. Yeah. Everything you write at the end of the movie is really fast. Yeah. Tracy's going to use the flamethrower, though that really doesn't do anything. It just looks cool. <laughs> yeah. Ed gets a revolver from inside the truck. He shoots himself. He falls out of the truck. Both he and Pumpkinhead have fallen, but Pumpkinhead is going to rise again. Tracy sees what Ed is trying to do, grabs the gun. Ed says, kill me. Mm -hmm. When she does, Pumpkinhead is dead, and a minute later we'll just burst into flame. Mm -hmm. End of movie. Yeah, she's really in big trouble now. I mean, like, (laughs) how's she going to explain that one to the cops? Oh, we killed his son, and then... We ended up killing him. Oh, but there was a pumpkin head was after us. Yeah, get in the back of the van. (laughs) But the tail end is the most beautiful part of the whole movie because it really connects everything. Mm -hmm. Haggis buries a little corpse. Mm -hmm. And on the corpse is the necklace that Billy gave to his father. So, previous pumpkin head is now released, has been burnt to ash, and new pumpkin head emerges ready for the sequel, which they are, which I've actually never bothered with the sequels. I looked them up. They were all straight to DVD or straight to television. But I love that idea of not only are you connected, but you're now stuck with this until somebody else seeks vengeance. Yeah. It's a never-ending cycle. It will keep going, but your time is not done yet. Mm. So you have... you still got the price to pay. Extra price to pay. 
I love this movie. Yeah, yeah it's I good. Do. It is. It's really good. Again, it's like it makes you, like you said before, it makes you feel something. And I, I like, it, like I said as well, but the the slowness of the character development just like takes its time to build it up and to get let you get to know the characters. And to does it well. Like it's not what I find with a lot of modern ones is they're trying to do it, but they speed it up. They almost exposition it. Yes, I'm a good dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like we have the kid come in and say, "You're the best dad," and that's all we get. You know, like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, like, 90% of the people who get it in this movie don't deserve it. They didn't have anything. It was one who, well, we'll have to beat that out, but it was one moron that killed a kid. And everyone else was against it. No one was on board with this. They wanted to stay. They tried to call for an ambulance. They tried to call for help. But they all, everyone but one gets gets it in the end. And it's like, wow. You, you Again, you feel like, man, these poor people don't really deserve this. But I think that that's part of if there is a message to the story or a moral to the story is part of that. That mm-hmm. when you bring back extra vengeance, yeah. it hurts more than just the person you want it to Exactly. Hurt. Yeah, exactly. It's like there's collateral involved when you're just blinded by vengeance. Yeah. So for me, yeah, a good scary movie that has <laughs> one great special effects. That's what I think brought a lot of people to it. I think that's probably why they had Stan Winston do it in the first place. Oh, well, you do such great stuff. Let's see what you do as a director. Right. Really great character development. I think some really great dialogue and scenes between characters. For me, this is what I look for when I want this kind of movie. And there aren't that many out there that I watch over and over again. But Pumpkinhead? Yeah, I will. Do we do that for this one? For the Halloween ones, gaps filled are more gaps created. <laughs> Did you know there's a game as well? No. There's a, there was a 1995 DOS game called Pumpkinhead Bloodwings. Uh, sorry, it was called Bloodwings Pumpkinhead's Revenge. And it was dire. It was, it was, it was labeled the worst Doom clone ever. I look forward to that on your stream. (laughs) Yeah.